Go ahead and have a seat. Welcome to Village Church. If this is your first time here, my name is Steve, one of the pastors here at Village Church. And as always, I am thankful and grateful to see each and every one of you. If you have a Bible, go ahead and open it to Matthew 28. We're going to be starting in verse 16 this morning. But we have reached the final sermon in our six series sermon ser- journey through the gospel according to Matthew. And so just so you know, the first sermon from the gospel according to Matthew was in March of 2019. A very different world that we had back in 2019. And so if you were with us in March 2019, a word of congratulations. You've made it. You endured with me till the end. This is the 100th sermon uh, through the gospel according to Matthew. I did the math, had it checked out. Uh, and so there were. Ex- this is exactly the 100th sermon in this series. And next Sunday then, we're going to begin a much shorter journey, I promise, Uh, through the book of Joshua. So uh, if you did not grab one next week after the service, there will be some journal taking uh, copies of the gospel according to Matthew available to you. And if you will commit to being here with us next Sunday, that is our gift to you because of the generosity of the people that call Village Church home. Those are uh, free of charge. And so the only thing that I ask is that you come back next Sunday with that so you can actually take some notes as we begin Joshua chapter 1 next Sunday. Now, the key for today is understanding that if the resurrection is the climax of the gospel of Jesus Christ, then the Great Commission is the direct application of that climax. The Great Commission from Jesus is the life-changing transformation that faith in the risen Savior is meant to give you. It is a remarkably clear teaching that is given directly in light of the effect of the resurrection uh, is supposed to have on your life. And so what Jesus is going to say today should very much be understood as his farewell address to his disciples. And so what he's basically doing is he's saying, if what just happened is true, and it is, then your faith in him should create a life in which you are finding your key purpose. You are finding your identity. You are finding the significance of your life in obeying the command to go and make disciples of Jesus Christ. And so I very much mean to say today that Christians make disciples. And without making disciples, you should probably be worried as to whether or not you are a Christian. And so I want to begin reading in verse 16 of Matthew 28 this morning so we can see what Jesus has to say. In verse 16, it says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Number one this morning, I want you to understand that the resurrection is a revelation of Jesus' authority. The resurrection is a revelation of Jesus' authority. The resurrection did not give Jesus authority. And so that's something that you need to understand so that you can build a life of living that mission that Jesus is going to give us in verses 19 and 20 with the right focus of why you have such a mission. 
Jesus has always had the authority that he proclaims there in verse 17. He's always had all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, when he rose from the dead, it was not a moment in which Jesus received authority. It was a moment in which God graciously revealed the ultimate authority of Jesus Christ to the world around him. We do not deserve to have that revelation. Frankly, we deserve to live under the wrath of such a revelation. And so we were created by God to live a life by which we obey the commands that He gives us, in which we find our ultimate satisfaction in God, in which we worship Him with every fiber of our being, in which if God gives a command, we live up to that command. That is what submission to the authority of God looks like. But every one of us have failed. And therefore, if Jesus had come to this earth and had one message, and that message was, you have failed to live up to the, the, the commands that God has given. Therefore, I justly condemn every single one of you. Jesus could have done that, and he still would have been just as righteous. He would have been just as authoritative. He would have been just as good as he is in what he actually chose to do. But because of the love with which God loved us, the Apostle Paul writes, Jesus came, lived a perfect life, died on the cross that we talked about two or three weeks ago, and then as we talked about last Sunday, He rose from the dead in order to give us a new life and reveal to us His power over sin and death. But don't get it twisted. He did not need to do that in order to have the authority. He graciously did that so that we could trust in that authority and be the glad recipients of the grace that comes through the actions that revealed his authority. And so the normal focus when we talk about the uh, Great Commission is on the imperative of the Great Commission, and that is the go make disciples aspect of the Great Commission. But if you build a foundation on the imperative of what Jesus has to say here, you will miss out on the gospel aspect of the command that he gives you here. If he does not have the authority that he claims in verse 17, then the mission is fruitless. The mission would be pointless. The authority of Jesus is necessary for the mission that Jesus gives us to have any meaning in it whatsoever. And so we need to understand that Jesus does have all authority in heaven and on earth. And from Genesis all the way through Revelation, that's the point of Scripture. The ultimate thread throughout all 66 books of the Bible is the theme, God is the Lord. To be the Lord means He is the sovereign one. He is the creating one. He is the one that has the authority over everything that ever has happened, everything that ever will happen. God is the king of any and all domains in all of creation and above creation. Everything is sourced in the authority of God. And what Jesus graciously does is rather than condemn us, He comes and calls us back to resubmit our lives to that authority and be redeemed by His vicarious work so that rather than His authority being a condemning reality to us because of what He did on the cross and what He did in the resurrection, the authority of God is now a gracious 
reality to us in which the design of God can be redeemed to us and the obedience that we owe to God can be resubmitted to Him living under the authority of Jesus Christ. But understand what makes a huge difference between Christianity and so many cults is that we believe that theme that God is Lord, we believe Jesus is God the Lord. And that's what He reveals to us in the resurrection. I want you to look back at the book of Exodus starting in chapter 3 and noting that this is the theme, very briefly, that God gives us that leads us to understanding that Jesus is God. In Exodus chapter 3, God gives Moses a mission. He says, go and proclaim my redemption of Israel, both to Israel and to Egypt. And Moses does what a lot of us do when we think about the Great Commission. Moses began to give reasons why he couldn't do it, why he couldn't obey, why he wasn't the one for the mission. And in Exodus chapter 3, God looks to Moses and says, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. And so what God reveals to Moses is that God doesn't care how inadequate Moses is to living his mission. God says this mission isn't about you. This mission is about him. This mission is about the authority that God has. And so when he gives him his name, he says, I am who I am. In Hebrew, what that literally means is that he is the self-sufficient one. He is the creating one. He is the one who is not sourced in anyone or anything else. He is the only self-existent being that has ever existed. And so when he says, I am who I am, it is a first person statement. And what you see throughout the Old Testament is anytime, if you have a good translation, it'll have capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. That is Yahweh, which is the way that they translated that first person statement into a third person reality so that it would, number one, be palpable to the people of Israel. Israel, but number two, be something that could be communicated by the people of Israel because they found themselves unworthy to say the self-existent name of God, his ultimate revelation of himself. And so God being self-existent and independent is then therefore the source of all things and through him, all things find their being. And that is what is communicated by that name. Then skip over to John chapter 8, starting in verse 56. Here is what Jesus has to say. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, you are not yet 50 years old. And have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. What Jesus is saying the guy talking in Exodus 3, that's me. I am who I am. And so Jesus, people that say that Jesus never claimed to be God, they're wrong. Right here, Jesus is telling an audience that would understand what he means. He's saying, I am the self-existent one that sent Moses into Egypt to redeem the people of Israel, but he was there to redeem all people from a much greater taskmaster, sin itself. 
And then verse 59, so they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went away, excuse me, went out of the temple. And so Jesus's identity is being questioned. Who does Jesus say that he is? Jesus says, I am the one that has all authority. No, this is before the resurrection. So our mission and purpose in life must be grounded in the reality that Jesus is God the Lord. And so the foundation of that great commission where Jesus says, since I have all authority in heaven and on earth, go therefore, make disciples, baptize, teach them to observe all that I have commanded you, and I'll be with you always. It's all predicated on that same statement from Exodus chapter 3, that God has ultimate authority. We were created to live under that authority, and by His grace, Jesus has come to give us the opportunity to submit ourselves again to the authority of God and being forgiven. And I love the fact that they pick up stones as if that's going to be of any use. The cross couldn't kill Jesus. The stones wouldn't have done anything anymore. He might physically die, but all that Jesus was going to have to do was to rise again. The foundation of the Great Commission is built on the eternal authority of Jesus. He very much could have justly wielded that authority however he wanted to. And you need to live under that reality. He didn't have to save you. You are not of the great value here, Jesus Christ is. But in love, what does He do? Offers His very life, offers the resurrection. He chose to become human, live perfectly among His creation, die vicariously on the cross, and then rise from the dead. And so, as we go through this, understand that so many of you, even in claiming faith in Jesus Christ, you still struggle with finding purpose. You still will make the statement, well, I don't know what the will of God is for my life. You're searching day in and day out, trying to find some kind of significance in your life. And ultimately that becomes a path that's really just meaningless. Because ultimately God has revealed to us what his purpose for our lives is. We just need to understand that the primary above all of them is this call to be and make disciples. And so when Jesus says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, what he's doing is is he's saying, you're never going to find significance outside of him. You're never going to find the meaning that you desire outside of him. And so where so many people fail is you begin to define purpose, meaning, and significance around your life situation, around your personality, around your love language, around finding some kind of meaning from another person in this life. None of those things has ever risen from the dead. I don't know if you know this about yourself. I hope you do. I hope you woke up with a good sobering thought of you're going to die. It's going to happen. 100 out of 100 people die. And only one person has ever under his own authority risen from the dead. It's Jesus Christ. You're going to your funeral, either in a casket or a mason jar. Those are the only two options that are legal right now. I know, I've checked. Because Vikings were cool, man. They would put you on a big thing of hay, push you out into the river, light you up with an arrow. It was a glorious event. I've tried to see if I could do that because I think I'm worthy of such a funeral. (laughs) But I couldn't get the permit to do it in the James River. They won't allow such a thing. All right? But the key is, is that when you are at your funeral, you are not getting up. You're going to be dead. You are not Jesus Christ. Therefore, 
The fruitless endeavor that so many of you have of trying to find meaning and purpose and everything that you need in life inside of yourself or from another human being, you're never going to find there what you can only find in Jesus Christ. Because He is the one who has all authority. Therefore, if you have faith in Jesus it very much means the sacrifice of submitting everything that you have ever and could ever find your identity in outside of him and his commands. It means killing it at the feet of the altar to find your purpose in Jesus and in Jesus alone. But he's even more specific than that. Number two this morning, understand following Jesus means living his mission. Following Jesus means living his mission. How do I know that? Because that's what he said. Of all of the commands that Jesus gives us in the Bible, and there's a whole host of them. I mean, there's a tremendous amount of commands in Scripture. And so many so that some of us, we give up because we're always being confronted by somewhere else that we are falling short of God's glory. But I can tell you, if you seek to obey those commands divorced away from this command, you'll never find the meaning of those commands. The Great Commission very much means that you need to understand every do and every don't of Scripture in light of what He calls you to do and be in His Great Commission. Everything about the Christian life is being able to point back to Jesus Christ as the source, the purpose, and the meaning of everything that you do in your life. Therefore, this fruitless endeavor that many of you have, even outside of finding significance, of just measuring your life and saying, I'm going to be a good moral person, so I'm going to look at the commands of Scripture, I'm going to live a better life, I'm going to obey these commands, even if you just limit them to the Ten Commandments, but you divorce that obedience away from the authority of Jesus Christ, the meaning of the Great Commission, that is just as fruitless. Because Jesus didn't say, just obey. No, Jesus came to say, you blew it in the obedience department. You didn't live up. You didn't measure up. You failed. You sinned. You disobeyed. And by my grace, I came. Live the perfect life you are incapable of living died as a substitute for you on the cross to pay the penalty for your sin, and I've risen again from the dead, now live under my authority and point everyone back to my authority. Make disciples. And so every ounce of obedience that I submit my life to in this word can never be about me showing how obedient I am. Because the gospel is predicated on the reality that I've already fallen short. Jesus meets the standard for me. So when I begin to grow in my faith and I find places where I need to repent of my sin, by the way, if you're ever going to grow in your faith, you're going to find a lot of places where you need to repent of your sin. And when I realign in that repentance to live God's good and gracious design in my life, it must always be with me pointing and saying, this is happening because of what Jesus has done. I am growing because of what Jesus has done. Christian, 
You must understand that your mission in life is to live, to be, and make disciples of Jesus Christ. The proclamation of authority, immediately followed by the imperative of discipleship. That's a command. This is the final statement of Matthew's gospel. This is the farewell declaration of Jesus Christ. This is the good news of salvation and the fruit that will be born if you submit yourself to that great salvation. There is a way that many go about downplaying the emphasis on the term go right there in Scripture. That's short-sighted. Yes, the reality is you are going through life regardless of if you're going with or without Jesus. You're going somewhere, every single one of you. Some of you are going to smarter places than others. Some of you tell me where you're going, and I'm like, you got to rethink that. That's, that's a cliff. You're going to jump right off of it. You better, you better wise up. You better get smarter. Don't go there. But none of us are not going. But the imperative of the command that Jesus gives is vital. What does he say our going must be about? Making disciples. Therefore, in all of your going in this life, you are going with the intention and the purpose of making disciples if you are going to be going the same direction that Jesus Christ is going. The purpose behind everything that a Christian does is that we do it as followers of Jesus Christ. Therefore, without the mission of Jesus, friend, there is no faith in Jesus. In order to follow Jesus in this life, you will be living His mission, which His mission is making disciples. This is the key component that holds the entire New Testament together. You cannot read the New Testament without seeing on every page a key theme of cultivating a culture of making disciples in the church of Jesus Christ. That's the point of the New Testament. The focus of every command is on making disciples as an outcome of every step of obedience for you to understand. For Christians, we are followers, or maybe this would be helpful, students of Jesus Christ. So a disciple of Jesus is someone that pursues his teachings seeking to be like him. Colossians chapter 1 is helpful in determining what that process should look like. It says, him we proclaim. There's the gospel. Jesus came. Jesus died. He rose from the dead. Submit your life to him. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that, here's the outcome, we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this, I toil. That word toil in the Greek literally means I work myself to the bone. It means I give great effort towards this. I am exhausting myself for this purpose. For this, I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. I love the vision that the apostle gives us. And what he's doing is he's using the foundation of the Great Commission, and then under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he's making it more specific. Everything starts with the gospel. And then you never move from the gospel, but you do grow up in the gospel. Note, what does he have an intention for? What's his vision? A vision statement is something that isn't currently true, but something that you believe will be true. 
He says as his vision that we may present everyone mature in Christ. That means that you, if you're a follower of Jesus, you can be mature in Jesus. And that is a terrifying thought for some of you because you are fighting tooth and nail to not grow up. It's, it's amazing because everybody wants to grow up. Even my kids, they want to grow up. Sometimes I want them to, sometimes I don't want them to. But they must grow up and it gets easier over time. This is the natural revelation of childhood to adulthood that is frequently used in the New Testament. What does the Apostle Paul say in the author of Hebrews on top of him? Says you need to go from a baby who desires the sincere milk of the word to a mature Christian who can actually handle the meat of the word. But some of you, by your very actions, if not also with your very words, you are committed to being presented as immature in Christ, which begs the question, why are you fighting the authority of Christ if you're going to claim to be a follower of Jesus Christ? You ever heard the phrase, grow up? I say it all the time. The deeper you get into your 40s, the more that's going to come out of your mouth about anything and everything you hear under the sun. Well, you know what that guy's problem is? He needs to grow up. All right, it's just going to fly out of your mouth and one day you're going to be like, when did I become elderly? <laughs> when did I start talking about those kids or kids nowadays? But the fact of the matter is, is that every parent must have a vision for their child to grow up. You need to have a goal. I don't know if you're a new parent. How are you enjoying those diapers? That's a blast, isn't it? <laughs> you tried to take a, a trip yet? That's multiple hours? Yeah, you're going to be hosing something down by the end of it. It's, it's, just, it's just not good at all. All right? And so I pray that you are what I would look at as a healthy parent where you have a vision where those diapers are unnecessary someday. Well, that's a part of the growing up process. All of your children at some point are going to reach an age where you're going to want them to be literate. And there's going to be some steps to getting them towards literacy that's going to begin with just sounding words out. But then hopefully within months, if not just a year or two, they're reading full sentences and then they're reading full paragraphs. Well, that's part of the growing up process. Well, you need to have the same vision for your faith in Jesus Christ. You need to stop using what you don't understand now or where you are failing right now as an excuse not to have a vision for a day where you will understand better later on or where you will be more obedient later on. If you've got a sin that is crippling you right now, by God's grace, I pray that you have a vision that in five years, this sin will not be crippling you any longer. That you're going to lay out environments and a process of repentance and confession in your life where you will grow in your faith. So there's going to come a day where that temptation is not as crippling to you then as much as it is now. But what I'm beginning to see in people's lives is you think it is a statement about God's grace when you make the audacious statement that is you proclaiming your immaturity and your commitment to immaturity. Well, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. You can't expect much out of me. What Jesus are you following that is satisfied with that vision for your life? 
Jesus does not want you to sit in diapers. Jesus wants you toilet trained, pal. Jesus wants you to grow up. Jesus wants you to spend so much time in the word that the aspects of the word that you don't understand today in five years, you're teaching other people what these texts mean. Or just because you can't imagine spending five minutes, much less hours in prayer today, doesn't mean you can't form a vision for being a prayer warrior in five years. Friends, the things that cripple your faith right now, God wants you to have a vision for you flourishing five years from now. God wants you to go from someone, here's a crazy thought, that needs to be discipled today to someone who's making disciples in five years. When God looked to Moses in Exodus chapter 3, and Moses was throwing everything in the kitchen sink at God saying, choose someone else. Did God say, Moses, I've done your personality profile and I know what your spiritual gifts are limited to and I know your Enneagram and your disc and, and your flarp and everything else under the sun. I understand, so I'll move on. Now, what does God say? God says, this isn't about your potential, this is about my potential. So many of you condemn yourselves to second-class Christianity or what you think is second-class Christianity because of what you think you are limited by. Friend, your capacity and your potential in following Jesus Christ isn't limited by your gifting and your ability. Your capacity and potential in Jesus Christ is built upon the authority of Jesus Christ. And it's over all the heavens and it's over all of the earth. Do not limit yourself when God has a plan for you to be and make disciples through all of the giftings and all of the abilities that you, that he rather has given you. Note the apostle Paul in verse 29 does not say for this, I toil struggling with all of the energy that I can muster that I am powerfully working in my discipleship efforts. Is that what Paul says in verse 29 there? No, because Paul wasn't limited by his vision of himself. Paul said, I'm struggling with his energy that he is working within me. It's not about you. It's about the authority of Jesus Christ. To be a Christian is to be a disciple of Jesus. And there is no other way. Some of you think that when you came to faith in Jesus Christ, that there was a metaphorical sign-up sheet in the foyer. And you are a Christian And you'll wait and sign up for discipleship when you feel that you're through this difficult season and you have more time on your hands. By the way, that's a lie. More time is never coming. I've been waiting for more time for 40 years, and I just have less and less of it every single day. When you came to faith in Jesus Christ, understand that Christian and disciple, they are synonyms. You cannot be a Christian if you are not a disciple, and you're certainly not a disciple if you're not a Christian, but they're one and the same. When you came to faith in Jesus Christ, you were not submitting to a Savior who said, when you have time, follow me. You were submitting to a Savior that said, oh, by the way, I have all authority over your time. I have all authority over your effort. I have all authority over your business. I have all authority over your free time. I have all authority over your family. I have all authority over everything else. So as a follower of Jesus, you make it your endeavor that whatever it is you are pursuing in your life, you live to show how Jesus is God the Lord through that. Paul notes that he may present everyone 
mature in Christ. That is a mission statement. And our mission statement, that's what we mean by fully devoted followers of Jesus. Friend, to follow Jesus is to seek to grow in your obedience of His demands. That is the goal of every Christian. The Bible is filled with commands to obey, gifts to receive, abilities to learn, goals to reach, and disciples to make. And God has promised to empower you every single step of the way. But the key is having the same vision for mission that Jesus Christ has. This is the faith that we must get. I love 2 Corinthians 5, starting in verse 13. The Apostle Paul writes to the church at Corinth. He says, if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. And we'll get back to that in a minute. For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. I love, he looks to the Corinthian church and he tells them, a lot of what I'm doing with my life, I know it doesn't make any sense to you. I know that you think I'm crazy. I know that you think I'm extreme. I know that you think I'm overcommitted. I know that you think I'm exhausting myself. I know that you think that only a crazy man would work the hours at discipleship that I work. And he says, you think I'm out of my mind, but that's for Christ. You know what he's saying? He's saying, you're too immature to get where I am. And that's not a braggadocious statement. Paul's not bragging. Paul's bidding them to follow. He's saying, when I am in my right mind, it's for you. In other words, I'm trying to dumb this stuff down so that you'll get it. But understand that when you don't get it, that doesn't mean it isn't the normal Christian life that's going to be an expectation of every single disciple. You know, my kids sometimes don't understand why we don't eat ice cream every meal. Like, why can't we just go through a drive-thru? You produce that magical card. Sometimes you even do it on your phone. Drive-thru, every single meal. And we say no. And here's the crazy thing. Let me tell you something. Do you know that my children don't always look at me and say, well, obviously, you know what's best, Father. Uh, You know, (laughs) you are obviously the wise one in this scenario. So let us go home and find what is in the cupboard. (laughs) No, they're like, oh, we're just going to eat what we got at home. I'll be like, why else do you think I bought it? (laughs) No, my kids don't always understand the decisions that their mother and I make as their parents. But I don't look at them and say, well, since you don't understand, then I guess we can't do it. No. There's a chain of command. There's a difference in authority. Why do you think God only wants you to give Him the commitment that you think you understand? Why do you think God has to make everything make sense to you before you are responsible for obeying it? There are many things in life where God has called me to do that I still don't understand, but that doesn't mean I'm not responsible to His commands. God isn't asking me to understand. God is asking me to trust Him. God isn't saying, well, you're not responsible for it if I haven't made it clear enough. No, God is saying, submit to me, and then one day you will understand. I'll tell you, if you're a parent, As you lead those kids through adolescence, you understand more and more what your parents used to say to you. You'll understand someday, son. 
You'll understand someday. And guess what? I'm in my 40s, and those some days are happening almost every single day of my life where I didn't understand certain things when I was 12, but I understand more of them as an adult. Well, as you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ, that's the beautiful thing about maturing in Christ is that you don't always understand while you are committing and while you are obeying. But as you commit and as you obey, it's like the fog begins to lift and you begin to understand things that you never thought you were capable of understanding. God calls us to live a life based on the reality of the resurrection of Jesus. And then he says, just follow me. Just follow me. Making disciples happens by people observing someone else living out the mission of Jesus. Disciples make disciples. But here's the key. You can only make what you are. You'll never make what you aren't. Other people are to be invited in to observe you being a disciple of Jesus And that's why some of you are afraid to try to make a disciple. Because you are afraid and hesitant that they may observe you and you say, I'm not much of a disciple. Friend, that means you need to change your life. That means you need to give God more of yourself than you've been giving. Friend, you need to be a disciple so that you can make disciples. Because here's the great news out of the Great Commission. Christians build the future through discipleship. Christians build the future through discipleship. I'm just going to give you one sentence about what discipleship is. Because it's so big that sometimes we struggle to wrap our minds around it. But here's the deal. It's not complicated. The Bible is not as complicated as many people make it out to be. Is it difficult? Absolutely. But it's not complicated. Is it a big book? Absolutely. But it's not a complicated book. We only complicate it with our sin and our refusal to submit to his standards. But it's a simple book. I mean, it's as simple as think about this. Don't murder. Well, I don't know if I understand that. Let me break down the Hebrew, uh, get some syntax in there. Well, what was the context of the nation of Israel at Mount Sinai when Moses received that? Because, well, what is murder? Let's form a committee. No, don't murder. Don't murder. Don't lie. Don't steal. Don't commit adultery. Don't covet. Don't make any other graven image other than God. Don't put anyone above him. Complicated? No, but you break them all the time, don't you? You sinners. (laughs) No, it's not complicated. It's simple. Difficult, but not complicated. That's what everything in Scripture is. So here's the sentence. Discipleship is the process of conforming to the image of Christ. Discipleship is the process of conforming to the image of Christ. Less of me, more of him every day. Less of me, more of him every day. Discipleship comes with a vision for the future of what you have not yet attained, but by God's grace, you will attain. And here's the amazing thing in it, and I think we skip over this just like we skip over the authority. In verse 19, he tells us, Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always 
to the end of the age. Did you catch that promise? I'm with you always to the end of the age. There's a twofold promise there. The first one is that Jesus is with us. In other words, wherever you go in life, whatever you do in life, Jesus is going to be with you every step of the way. It's not about your energy. It's about his energy. It's not about your ability. It's about his ability. Because wherever you go as a follower of Jesus, he's going with you. But do not dare use this as an excuse to stand still. Because that's what I see so many people do. Oh, he's with me always, even when I'm not doing anything. Let me tell you something. Jesus is on mission. He's going. The question is, are you going with him? Because that's the fruit of your salvation. But secondly, there is going to come a day when the mission is over. It's an amazing thing I can't even envision. Because he says, to the end of the age. There is an end to the mission of Jesus. And it is when he inaugurates his eternal kingdom. So you must begin to ask with your life, how does this action or decision showcase that Jesus is Lord? How does it do that? Wake up every day with that as your goal. Every decision, every action showcasing the Lordship of Jesus Christ in my life, it'll change the way you live. The problem that many of you are having is that you are coming up with a lot of reasons not to showcase the Lordship of Jesus Christ in your life. And so here's the deal. You aren't. You aren't. Live as though He is Lord. Live as though He is true. And ask yourself, how is my life showing it? When you wield everything in life, time, talent, treasure, in order to show the authority of Jesus and how you are growing into His vision for His design for giving Him glory, you will begin to note some marked changes in your life. This is why the imperative, look at all the imperatives, making, baptizing, teaching. It's always going to be followed with the promise of his presence because you cannot do it without him. Do you have a Jesus shaped vision of your life? Because if you don't, you're going to go a lot of places but it's not going to be the direction he's going. If he is Lord, and he is, then the future of the Great Commission belongs to those who are faithfully bold in their obedience to the Lord of the Commission. Friend, you need to form a vision of being faithful, available, and teachable. Teachable when it comes to following Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul put it this way in Acts 20. He said, I do not account my life of any value nor as precious to myself. If only I may finish my course in the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Can you say that? That's a vision. Is your life precious to you? Is your life valuable to you? Because Paul sought a maturity where he said, this isn't about me and it never will be. My life is only of value if I'm living the vision of Jesus Christ every single day. If you want the future that God is forming, you will invest your life in and for that gospel. 
What does that mean? It's simple. It means being and making disciples, investing in his word, spending time in prayer, talking to other people. Sometimes we get so caught up in the all nations part of the Great Commission that we lose sight of it starts with the person living next door. You know, the person that lives in the house next to you should have a better chance of becoming, becoming a Christian just because they bought a house next door to you. Goes to the coworkers that you see every day. Goes to the family members who aren't currently believers. Friend, your obedience to the commands of God are not going to be missed by an unbelieving world. What it does is it is always going to amplify the Lordship of Jesus Christ in your life to that unbelieving world. Follow Jesus. Be and make disciples because Jesus is King. A few application points. First, submit yourself to the authority of Jesus. That's step one. That's step one. Some of you are struggling with that. Because there are things that you're holding Jesus accountable to to explain to you before you're willing to submit. Friends, that's not faith. Submit to Him. Secondly, learn all that Jesus' authority entails. This is a wonderful book. And it contains every single thing about the authority of Jesus Christ. It's a big one. It's a tough read sometimes. But it's not complicated. Thirdly, live to be and make disciples. Do you have a vision captivated by discipleship? I hope so. Fourthly, follow Jesus into a future of mission. The future is Christian. I know that when you watch the news, you can't see that. But we don't serve a Savior who predicates His authority on how the last five minutes went. We serve a Savior that says all authority to the end of the age. The future is Christian. Give your life to it.